0: What is Decision Tech by Fidelity? It's technology that can help you find a stock based on what's trending or an investing goal. It's real-time insights and information delivered in your own customized view of the market. It's smarter trading technology for smarter trading decisions. And it's only from Fidelity. Open an account today at fidelity.com trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC.
1: Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to I'm coming to you this time from San Francisco. This is Invest in America, Defining the Future. Hey, listen, other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job's not just to entertain, but also to educate, teach, you, put it in context. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. You want to know, you want to know the most shocking thing about today's fantastic action with Dow gaining 215 points? S&P climbed 0.89% and the NASDAQ jumped 0.97%. <laughs> It's not that we rallied. It's that the components of the rally actually made a ton of sense. This is a day where we separated the China winners from the China losers. And that allowed many stocks to roar based on good old-fashioned earnings per share. Yep, we're beginning to get our arms around who'll be hurt by the continued escalation of the trade war and actually who benefits. Bye bye bye! Bye bye bye! The difference is they're enormous. There's a gigantic gulf between them. So why don't we start with the surprise winners? Let's start with Cisco and Walmart. Last night, Cisco reported an amazing quarter with its business accelerating at a time when many analysts predicted it would falter. This morning, Walmart delivered much better than expected. Same store sales up 3.4%. You know, that's the best number in nine years. Meanwhile, the big box retailer's digital business is pulling away from the pack. It's up 37% year over year. But the biggest positive from both Cisco and Walmart, they expressed a degree of immunity, immunity to the tariffs that stunned Wall Street. These companies were widely perceived to be caught in the Chinese crossfire. Turns out that's just not quite true. Sure, if President Trump extends his 25 percent tariffs to cover the 300 billion dollars in imports from China that are currently on touch, well, Walmart was going to have to raise prices. However, if speaking to them, you know what? I'm betting the impact will be much less pronounced than the bears would have you believe. Why? First, Walmart's the world's largest supermarket chain. And that part of the business is fine because we really import a lot of food from China. Second, because of Walmart's scale, it can source better than any other retailer on earth, save maybe Amazon. If they need to change suppliers, you know what? They'll change suppliers. And they'll end up with better deals than the competitors. I am saying you may never even notice the difference. How about the earnings? Oh, honestly, I'm more worried about the strong dollar continuing to crib Walmart sales from overseas than I am about the stupid tires. Again, Walmart won't get through this totally unscathed, nor will the consumer. But the damage is a lot less extensive than anyone thought, and that really helped propel the stock much higher. And therefore moved the whole market with it. Cisco's even better. Six months ago, Cisco's CEO, Chuck Robbins, he probably saw him last night with Kelly Kramer, the CFO, he adopted a strategy. It's called the hope for the best, prepare for the worst. And where the company, where the company was pleading its case in Washington while simultaneously shifting and sourcing away from China. Fast forward to last night's conference call, and Robbins tells us that the moment they saw the tariffs were going up last week, their teams kicked into high gear, and they've now done everything they need to do to get out ahead of this. While other CEOs buried their hands in this, heads in the sand, Robbins took President Trump at his word and made the necessary adjustments. It didn't hurt that China was already buying less and less equipment from Cisco itself. Don't worry, it's only 3% of the total. He started to search around the globe for other potential sources when his own business started drying up in China. And by the time the tariffs were actually raised, Cisco had already solved the problem. The impact going forward, nil. Walmart and Cisco are a breath of fresh air compared to, say, Macy's, which told us just the other day that they didn't see the next round of tariffs coming, and they're already being hurt by the first round. Macy's is losing the trade war. Who else is losing? Well, how about any company that sells into Huawei, the gigantic Chinese telecom maker? They also make handsets. Today, President Trump basically blacklisted Huawei. You now need a special license to sell them components, and you're banned from buying their equipment. Boy, that's bad news for hosted chip makers, which is why Qualcomm, Skyworks Solutions, Broadcom, Micron, and worst of all, Xilinx, the king of Chinese 5G, well, they all got hit today. (laughs) Huawei has the best technology for the 5G wireless infrastructure build-out. But without components from American suppliers, that technology just doesn't work. They're going to get beat. It could be the end for Huawei's 5 g leadership. That's a huge blow to this pioneering company that many in the industry actually feel is nothing but an arm of the Communist Party. This was a major escalation for the White House. Trump did the same thing to a smaller Chinese company not that long ago, ZTE, uh, although he quickly walked it back. You know what? This one feels different, doesn't it? It feels different. It's clear the president no longer cares if his actions hurt major American businesses. It's for a greater good. It's for a bigger cause. It's no longer enough to stop importing stuff from China and stop making stuff in China. Now you're not even allowed to sell to to key Chinese companies. That's a dramatic shift for the Trump administration. And I'm sure the Chinese are astonished, baffled at just how brazen he's being, especially compared to his predecessors. All of whom pretty just said, all right, bring it on. Love him or hate him, Trump's figured out that the consensus on China has been dead wrong. The Chinese Communist Party simply doesn't have the capacity to retaliate that hard. I've listened endlessly to economists who tell us, wow, be careful, really scary. China could dump a trillion dollars in U.S. Treasuries, its holdings. They think the Chinese are holding a bomb market hostage. (laughs) Please, bring on some supply. There's a real dearth of Treasuries. Come on, Chinese, sell them to us. We'll absorb them without much of a ripple. Hey, how about the tariffs against American produce? Ooh, right, scary? Hardly. How about pointless? Our government has a long history of subsidizing agriculture. And if our farmers get hurt, Congress just bail them out. Hey, there's an election year coming. I mean, come on, Chinese. Do better. Hey, what if China boycotts American products? Well, not many American companies have been able to really break into the Chinese market. It was Boeing. Uh, but they're repeatedly assuring us that every, that even though one out of every four planes is destined for China, there's so much demand, they could easily route that business elsewhere. So... Get that one. Starbucks. Well, That one seems to be embedded in the fabric of China. Hence why its stock just keeps going higher. How about Yum China? That's KFC, Taco Bell, and Pizza Hut. Holy up surprisingly well, don't you think? Finally, there's tech. But Trump just cut off business with the most important Chinese account out there Wait, when he branded Huawei a pirate. Other than the semiconductor stocks that got hit today, there aren't many tech companies with huge China exposure. I mean, you got Apple. That's pretty much it. Now, I'll admit it is a tough moment for Apple. Tent hooks. After the president's Huawei action, you can easily see Trump or Xi coming after them. It's both sides. I still say you want to own Apple, don't trade it, but I understand why people are getting nervous. The rest of tech, they barely have any business in the People's Republic. Think of it as poetic justice. If the Chinese had simply let Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google into their markets, they would have been able to retaliate against us for this Huawei blacklisting. But they never did. If the Communist Party hadn't sanctioned rampant theft of intellectual property, they'd be able to retaliate against the Cloud Kings. But there's so much piracy in China that our software companies don't see much point in doing lots of business there. And that means the Communist Party seems to have fewer ways to hit back at us than either side thought at the start of the fractures. Either side. Bottom line, here's how I see it. President Trump is now in charge. He's in charge of which American companies can do business in China. If you do too much, he'll smite you. If you buy too much, he'll find you. If you rely on them too much, he'll crush you. Or in Wall Street parlance, he's raising numbers Walmart and Cisco, cutting numbers Qualcomm and Broadcom, taking numbers down Micron. Yeah, the companies that didn't see this escalation coming, they may get steamrolled. But the ones that thought ahead are being re-rated to more exalted status. They are the real winners, and you know what? I think their stocks aren't done going higher. Let's take calls. Why don't we go to Greg in Virginia? Greg,
2: good evening, Jim. That was a good piece yesterday on GoodRx. I say probably fifteen hundred dollars a year using GoodRx just on one prescription. It uh, is but that my good. My question was uh, raised this morning when uh, on uh, squat Box in the highway discussion this morning. It was asked about other equipment makers besides Ericsson and Nokia. Right. And then later on, uh, Hans talked about standards-based technology. So mm-hmm. I started thinking about a company called Juniper. Symbol yeah, I like Juniper. Juniper, kicking around. You know, I first what met Juniper, you? oddly. Kevin,
1: uh, you know, Kevin Johnson, CEO of Starbucks. He was running Juniper. It's always been in there. It's always part of the mix. But you know what? You go with the best upgrade. You go with Cisco. All right. It's simple. The president's in charge of who's doing business in China. He's taking stocks up and down these days. And if a company uses that to its advantage, you're going to get a breath of fresh air and a higher stock price. If you ignore it, your stock price is destined to go lower. Oh man, tonight, why why some down and out stocks seem to be catching bids today? Then the cannabis space was supposed to be the next great frontier. But are some companies just blowing smoke? I'm investigating. And it's a couple with 600,000 members and $30 billion in loans. And it just earned a bought and spot in CBC's seventh annual Disruptor 50 list. Don't miss my sit-down with the CEO of SoFi. And, of course, stick with Kramer.
2: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com.
0: What is Decision Tech by Fidelity? It's technology that can help you find a stock based on what's trending or an investing goal. It's real-time insights and information delivered in your own customized view of the market. It's smarter trading technology for smarter trading decisions. And it's only from Fidelity. Open an account today at fidelity.com slash trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC.
1: Are we running out of new stocks to buy? <laughs> when you look at the biggest winners today, it is stunning how many of them are former laggers that are now playing, yes, Ketchup. Let me give you seven high-profile catch catch-up examples. First is Stanley Black and Decker. This toolmaker saw its stock surge more than 2% today for one simple reason one shoring. The company announced that it's going to start manufacturing craftsman wrenches in the United States again, opening a new plant in Fort Worth, Texas. As I keep telling you, companies that wean themselves off from China will see their stocks get higher price-to-earnings multiples. Until today's Daily Black and Decker we get hammered every single time we get another flare-up in the trade war, because so much of the merchandise is indeed made in China. Now that's changing. So the stock, the stock is catching fire! Bye, bye, bye. Second, Centene! Yeah, the health care plan provider for government-sponsored programs like Medicare, Medicaid, and the Obamacare exchanges. This one's a long time Kramer favorite. It's been out of favor. but Michael Nydorf tells such a compelling story, though, that I think it works in this environment. The stock has been hammered, along with every other managed care play. It currently sells for less than 13 times earnings. 13 times earnings. This thing is way too—wow, look at that. Developing reverse head and shoulders pattern. Uh, now that safe, consistent domestic names have come back in style on the Wall Street Fashion Show— this one, I think, is a winner. Third, Under Armour. Yeah, I'm going to tell you why I think. That Steph, Steph Curry is the most compelling figure in basketball. Will you give me that? He plays tonight. I saw him with my own eyes the other night in Oakland, and I got to tell you, he is insanely good. And he's got a big endorsement deal with, oh, jeez, look at my father there up uh, with Under Armour. That's right. I think CEO Kevin Plank has gotten some real momentum going here, but the stock doesn't reflect that. While it's up 24% year to date. You got to remember that Under Armour has spent the past 3 years bouncing along its lows. Tonight, this uh, this stock was nearly $55 just 4 years ago. It's now a $22 stock. Bye bye bye. Fourth Allergan! I mean, talk about a laggard. Some people use that term like that. This is another stock that's been crushed, losing more than half of its value since its highs just four years ago. Allergan's been a—this a, has been a complete dog. All right. Ooh, look at that reverse head and shoulders. It's been a complete dog in large part because investors are worried about new competition coming online against its biggest drug, Botox. But drug stocks are back in style all of a sudden, and now that, that knockoff Botox has just been launched, I think the nadir has been reached. However, I think it's much better to buy something like a Merck or Abbott Labs. They pulled back from their highs. They both reported fantastic quarters. Safer. Fifth Lagarde. It's kind of like that. Uh, that's a that's a Wolf joke. He's my friend. Don't worry. There's nothing. No, you know. All right. Fifth laggard, turned out. Turn leader is Mosaic. The first. The fertilizer company had a, was a $53 stock in 2015. It's now at 23 But Mosaic's now telling you a story about how it's transformed into a technological fertilizer marvel. I've never really identified fertilizer with technology. But hey, whatever. They've got a lot of China exposure, though, because the People's Republic is a major market for our farmers. I think you should probably wait until Deer Reports tomorrow everyone says that's going to be disappointing. I don't like the ag stocks here because they keep being linked with the Chinese. Yet, Mosaic has shown some signs of life of late. I guess anything's possible in this market. Catch up, please. Number six, I've been waiting for the defense stocks to catch a bid simply because they've really been lagging so far behind the market. Today, buyers popped up north of Grumman, which is well off its highs. Again, this is totally a function of money managers trying to find companies that recently reported great numbers, but they have very beaten down stocks. This is one of them. This, is, this stock sells for less than 14 times earnings. Great balance sheet. Just raised its dividend. Actually, it was a shockingly high amount. Fits the bill. Catch up. Finally, and this one I think is probably the best of the ones that's really popping here. Schwab. Charles Schwab. Now, I've been waiting for this stock to erupt, given that the discount brokerage has become an incredible asset gatherer. Strong asset gatherer in a market where Goldman Sachs just this morning announced Right here, boy, this is such a great level to buy it. I think. Goldman just announced uh, that it bought a company that's $750 million for $750 million called United Capital Financial. It's an investment advisor with $25 billion in assets under management, 220 advisors serving 22,000 clients. Wow, that's quite downscale from the Goldman I worked at many moons ago. Given that Schwab has $3.36 trillion in assets under management, hey, maybe it's a better bet. This stock is ridiculous ridiculously cheap here versus the rest of the group, especially when you consider this phenomenal asset pool. $624 million a day comes into this place, according to the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, this is the best one. This is the best one of the lot. i buy it right here. Seven stocks well behind. Seven stocks just now getting their due. In this newly rejuvenated market, it's time to reach for the laggards and play catch up. The names on this list are exactly the ones that will work, given that they fall behind. Right here, mostly through no fault of their own. Stick with Kramer. The unicorns have had a rude awakening. As the long-awaited Uber IPO turned out to be pretty much a bust, and many other newly minted IPOs got hammered, we've seen what happens when irrational exuberance crashes headfirst into reality. And tech's not the only industry that has had a tendency to get bubblicious. While we're out here in California, it's worth noting that another group that's had a similar experience is the cannabis cohort. California, ground zero for legalized weed here in the U.S., but it's still illegal federally. Canada's the country that's leading the way uh, on this issue in particular. And last year, the Canadian cannabis companies caught fire. This year, though, many of these gains? Going up in smoke. I think we're witnessing a pretty straightforward problem. I'm going to call it reefer madness. Some of these stocks have held up better than others because they're better capitalized, strong management, but others have been too promotional for my taste. And we got to talk about that because I don't want you to lose money. Whenever you see this kind of boom, you need to take the more exuberant pronouncements with a grain of salt. So I'm going to give you an example. I don't mean to pick too much on, on, on one company, but let's take Tilray. Right before Canada officially legalized pot last October, Tilray's stock briefly surged from 100 to 300 dollars. In a matter of days. A month later, it's back to 100, and the darn thing has been drifting steadily lower to $47 ever since. Normally, when a stock gets hit with such a devastating decline, there's an obvious culprit, right? Maybe they slashed their poor Maybe somebody got caught committing something that we don't even want to talk about. But in Tilray's case, there haven't been any major negative catalysts. It's just the stock should never have been so high in the first place. When Tilray came public last summer, management was swept up in the grandeur of this incredible growth story, and they made some pretty pretty bold claims. If you were too eager to jump on the bandwagon, you got hurt once the reality turned out to be less exciting, and investors then dumped the stock. What do I mean by grandiose? Okay, you gotta understand. Late last summer, there was an explosion in demand for these cannabis stocks. When Constellation Brands announced a big investment in canopy growth, their second one, the undisputed best of breed here, the group suddenly became very sexy. It was a gold rush. Then Molson Coors formed a joint venture with with Hexo, and we started hearing speculation about all sorts of other potential partnerships, some of which eventually did come true. In, In about a month's time, Tilray stock had vaulted from 20 to 120. And that's when CEO Brendan Kennedy came on this show. And while I told you not to chase it, the stock still exploded higher the next day, opening up at 233 and then peaking at $300 intraday for giving up some of those gains and closing at 214 And it has been on downhill ever since.
2: What happened?
1: Okay, in the first few months after Till Ray's IPO, Brendan Kennedy was very, 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 very positive about the whole industry. But in retrospect, maybe too positive. First, he was pretty generous with his addressable market forecast about how medical cannabis could be a $100 billion business. Then he said big pharma and consumer packaged goods companies would have to hedge the cannabis space, the implication being that they'll need to make investments in marijuana because, well, it's such a big competitive threat. He painted a very bullish long-term picture. I, I, I buy into the picture. The thing is, Kennedy got $4 billion from Constellation. Kronos got $1.8 billion from Altria. The closest Tilray's come, they got a research partnership with the Anheuser-Busch InBev, where both companies have kicked in $50 million. It's pretty funny. Uh, uh, listen to what Kennedy told us. You get the point. Our intent is to build a company that dominates part of this $150 billion industry. I think you'll see multiple $100 billion companies. We don't want to partner with ABI. We want to build ABI. Yeah, see, I guess that's not really pinning out as expected. When I asked Kennedy about cautious commentary from other players in the industry, he told us that Tilray would be able to establish brands in Canada that'd be able to defend their high price points. Tory reported last week its headline numbers were solid, but pricing was ugly. While the company's total volume more than doubled to over 3,000 kilos, their average selling price per gram declined by more than 5% year-over-year. Tory's gross margin, what they make after the cost of goods sold, it dropped from 50% a year ago to 23% this past quarter. Again, Tory's doing fine. But if you listen to these interviews and you got the sense that the marijuana business was going to explode overnight, I think you might have gotten burned. I understand why Kenny was so excited. It's very exciting. But when you see a CEO painting such a bullish picture, maybe you have to just take a, uh, just be a little more cautious. Now, it's possible that someday Tilray could grow into a marijuana powerhouse with a market cap of over $100 billion as more and more countries legalize. I'm a big believer in the long-term opportunity for the industry, but I, I never want you to buy in too much. Many of these stocks currently have ridiculous valuations. Tilray did just $23 million in sales in the first quarter, but it has a market cap of $4.6 and that seems wrong to me. Of course, Tory isn't unique here. There's a whole cohort of cannabis companies that did the exact same thing. That's what happens in a boom. Look at an outfit called MedMen Enterprises, or another one called Harvest Health and Recreation. It's a pair of U.S. companies that trade in Canada. They also seem to have gotten a little too optimistic, and I, yes, I am being diplomatic. We spoke to uh, MedMen CEO Adam Bierman in October, and these guys aim to be, let's call it the apple store of weed. I don't know. He kept focusing on the incredible long-term opportunity, but, man, the short-term matters, too. And in the short-term, MedMen is losing a fortune as they wait for the long-term cannabis boom. Let me be clear. None of these guys is fibbing. They believe very strongly in what they're doing. They have real conviction, maybe too much conviction. You want MedMen in a nutshell? They got a big fancy dispensary on Fifth Avenue in New York City, but recreational marijuana... It's still illegal in New York. You can only get it by prescription. And even then, it's highly restricted. Yet, MedMen's Med paying through the nose for that real estate anyway, because they believe New York will eventually legalize. Eh, you got to hope so for them. Harvest Health is doing something similar. they made a series of acquisitions in order to expand all over the United States, and management's justifying these deals with some very big, bold predictions. How bold? Harvest is talking about doing as much as a billion dollars in revenue next year. But they only... They have $17 in the fourth quarter of last year. I mean, they plan to have over 120 stores next year, up from 21 currently, if you count their acquisitions that haven't closed yet. Harvest Health clearly has faith in its business model. The problem is, as an investor, you can't afford to take things on faith. The bottom line, look, I am a huge believer in the cannabis business. You know that. I've been a supporter of it. But conviction, even my conviction, needs to be tempered with discipline. That's why when you hear a CEO making bold predictions about the next big thing, You should ask yourself some questions. What if he's wrong? What if he's right, but it takes longer than expected, like we saw with the Internet 20 years ago? What if this particular company fails to establish itself as a dominant player? As an investor, you need to approach these stories with a certain amount of skepticism and a definite recognition that you can't believe the hype or your investment might just go up in smoke. Let's take a question from John in New York. John! Jimmy, booyah! Booyah!
2: So, anywho, I'm pretty much around the board with all my cannabis stocks. Okay. And I'm wondering when a free is going to start going up.
1: Uh, okay, well, it's Erwin Simon's company. Remember, he was at Hain. Uh, Hain kind of blew up in smoke, so to speak, to use the analogy here. There's a $1.7 billion company. I wel- Here's what I'll do. I welcome... Erwin Simon to come on before I pronounce judgment. He's been a friend of the show, and he should come on and tell us what's going on before I give you my view. All right, sure, there's an opportunity in the cannabis sector, but take the hype with a grain of salt. Watch more may have money ahead. I'm the one, it's one of the leading fintech startups to emerge from San Francisco, and they're joining me here tonight. Do not miss my interview with CMC Disruptor SoFi. Then it's a the stock in one of the hottest areas of tech. It's risen roughly 100% over the past year. So, uh, can you find your Zen like I have with Zendesk? I've got the CEO. And all your calls rapid fire tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So, stand with me.
2: Life's financial milestones shouldn't be financial millstones. From paying tuition to seeing that dream home come to fruition, SoFi wants to be more than a bank. But are enough consumers ready to embrace the fintech of the future? Tech companies aren't the only ones
1: innovating out here in San Francisco. That's why every time I come out here, like to check in with the privately held outfits. An yeah, outfit like SoFi is the online lender that's the number 26 on CNBC's 2019 Disruptor 50 list of companies that are revolutionizing, changing, and yes, completely disorienting. <laughs> a lot of other people in their fields so if i got to start refinancing student loans although now they do nearly everything a regular bank would uh, from checking accounts to mortgages renters insurance the difference is they've got a more personalized business model That's why it's so disruptive. They use the web to keep in touch with their members. Lately, SoFi has made another great leap forward, launching their own exchange-traded funds. Last month, they rolled out a select S&P 500 ETF and another one they're calling the Next 500. And now they have got two more ETFs, one based on the gig economy. I really like it. And the other one, an index they've created called the SoFi 50. So let's take a closer look with Anthony Noto, someone we've known for a very long time on the show. He's CEO of SoFi and an old friend to get a better sense of what's going on here and what these ETFs mean for his company, and what the millennials are investing in. Mr. Noto, welcome back to May of Money. Anthony, I know you're a disruptor, but I want to start with something that's very traditional. You guys are doing so much better than when you first got there. Even when I, the first time we talked to you, I just, tell us some numbers.
3: Sure, absolutely. In the last 15 months, we've made great progress. Um, this last quarter, which we just released our investor's letter yesterday, was our first quarter where we had a trifecta revenue growth, volume growth in loans and significantly improved profitability. We've meaningfully changed the core business of the company. We've relaunched our mortgage business. We've been able to more efficiently provide loans that are unsecured as well as in-school refinancing. And we've now launched in-school loans for undergraduates. In addition to that, we've been able to fund new o- opportunities like SoFi Money, which right. is a deposit account with high interest and ability to spend any time that you want, anywhere that you want. And of course, a brokerage account called SoFi Invest. And so, we made huge progress in the last year. and last 15 months, I couldn't be prouder of what we've achieved both financially as well as our products and most importantly we've enhanced the member experience because it's a member focused company providing more opportunities for our members to socialize and learn I've been saying about your company that you are a
1: purpose-built bank people say oh that's ridiculous a bank is a bank you can't
3: change their stripes that's actually not true in your case. Yeah, the thing that attracted me to SoFi and to go on this journey was the opportunity to help people reach financial independence, which simply means they have enough money to do what they want. That could be having children, having a house, changing careers, and the members at the center of everything that we do are number one core values that our members' interests come first, because we want to help them get their money right, and if they get their money right across borrowing, saving, investing, spending, protecting, then they can get to the point that they have enough money to do what they want, and we're going to stay focused on that mission. It's great for recruiting. It's great for culture, and most importantly, our products are better because of that focus. Okay,
1: now before you got there, people were worrying about losses mounting. I know the
3: discipline that you bring, I have to believe that's reversing. We've, we, last year, we focused on quality okay. over quantity. And so we made sure that when we were doing loans and we were extending our operation to new areas, we are doing it in an efficient way. So we focused on per-loan economics and variable profitability. Okay. Uh, per-loan economics, the variable quality of those okay. loans, both for our investors and for us that we keep, we just had some of the highest variable profit margins we've ever had in the company's history to make sure that our loans are durable through the economic cycle. And That's probably a little bit too technically detailed no, for, the, no, for the audience. No, no, I wanted that because, it, look, I think... Too many people are saying,
1: Jim, when, when he's on, you just talk about all the fuzzy stuff. And I right. said, no, no, we're going to show that this place is now run rigorously. The same way that when you got to Twitter, it changed the complexion of Twitter because that's
3: what you bring to the equation. Yeah, well, 100 percent. Last year was focused on quality right. to make sure we had that durability. We did that. And then secondarily, launching our mobile app or native mobile app. So all of our products are now available in the app stores, ranked very highly. And so you can borrow, save, spend, invest in the mobile app anytime you want.
1: You seem to know what the millennial wants more than any bank, and because the customer's always right, but right has changed. I want you to talk to me about what the millennials are buying. You're talking about, you set up, you have ETFs, you have stocks. I think the common view would be that they're all buying fine. But that's not the case, is
3: it? It's not the case. So we launched SoFi Invest, which is the ability to buy stocks, ETFs, right. or robo-automatic accounts. Right. No fees, no commissions, no account fees. Um, and what we witnessed was these investors that are new and early investors started to buy stocks that were less than $10. And what we're trying to do is to help these but, millennials... Do they
1: know that that's not the cheap versus an Amazon? That Amazon yeah. might be cheaper than an under $10... Uh, it's a representation... you got educate.
3: Yeah, it's a representation of that they don't want to put a lot of money at risk. They want with a small amount of money so they're buying things that don't cost a lot of dollars. So we launched two ETFs that give them broad-based diversification, Mm -hmm. SoFi Select 500 and SoFi Next 500, that you can buy for around $10. And so you can get that diversification at a low allocation of money. So it was an interesting learning. The account offering itself is really important, free, no commissions, no account fees to get people over the hurdle of having to pay. And now we're educating them and giving them products that better meet their specific needs. Do you think... Uh, that they want to buy the old time stocks versus new? I mean, give me some of the names. I, mean, I hear that they're buying
1: Ford because it's 10 bucks.
3: Yeah, so we list on the actual app itself the top uh, 10 holdings. Okay, so what, they, what would be the say yesterday, today? I mean, so you know, you know, are, I'm going to ask you about stocks. Yeah, there are companies that they're using and that they're investing in the gig economy, which is why we launched the gig economy Okay, ETF. yeah, and I've got so some that, good stuff. You know,
1: it's an Amazon, Microsoft, <laughs> PayPal, exactly. Square. So they
3: like those. They are buying companies like Lyft and Uber after they go public, but they're also buying Ford in General Electric and they're focused on investing in things that they're contributing to and things that they know like these gig economy right. companies, but they're also investing in things that they basically don't use, but are at a price point that allows them to get into the market and learn, because it's an imperative. You invest in your 20s. Right. If you miss those 10 years, that decade, you really have to catch up later on. Yeah, and so,
1: you can afford to lose and go for go for big. Exactly. Now, how about the, you mentioned mortgages? Millennials, rates are
3: down. Millennials moving out? Yeah, are they moving out of their in-laws? Yeah, buying a house is a huge economic decision. We relaunched our mortgage product on March 1st and have seen a great response. We did it. It just in time for the rates that are coming down so we've seen a big pickup in demand um, in the mortgage business so we're glad we've retooled that business and relaunched it to give the consumer a better experience faster um, mm-hmm. approval process faster funding process um, so it was at the right right time to capture that demand can
1: you contrast your company with say
3: uber or lyft and I say that
1: because those were supposed to be millennial favorites they turn out to be not that great stocks uh, would your company be more say fintech like paypal square uh, versus what happened
3: happened with Uber. Because, look, you know the stock can compete anybody I know who's the CEO. Sure. I, I think the key to our company is making sure that we continue to focus on the member at the center of what we do. We're going to help them get their money right, which means we're in the financial services industry. But we absolutely are using technology to get there. We're a mobile-first company, so you don't have to go to branches, and it gives you great convenience and ability to apply quickly, get funded quickly, buy a stock quickly, deposit a check, get interest in information, all on the mobile device. That's all driven by technology. Um, when going public and building shareholder value... whether it's a private round or a public round. It's about making sure you educate the investors on what you can accomplish near term and long term, being balanced on valuation and balanced on expectations and not getting in front of yourself. If You do those three things, you can have a successful private financing or or public offering. Well,
1: I love the journey that you and I have been on here because the quality issue was first of which you told me, Jim, not yet. Not yet. We can't meet the numbers that you want on the credit. It's obviously now changed. You're growing you're making money on key products that you want to.
3: I hope you come public because we need some more fintech besides just yeah. buying PayPal and Square endlessly. Well, I appreciate that. We're, we're focused on building great products first and someday that may come, but you hit the nail on the head. This was the first quarter we grew revenue, volume right. and profit sequentially and that enabled us to launch these new products like SoFi Money and give a great interest rate at 2.25% and help people get their money right. Well, congratulations on what you've accomplished in a very short period of time. That's Anthony Note, SoFi
1: CEO, and this is number 26 on the disruptor list, what a change since you got to this company
3: Thank you, Jim. You Appreciate will. it. Thanks for having us.
1: It is time it's shut up the night round. Cause everyone's talking about rap stars. One another. You say the soccer. Say goodbye, bye, bye. Don't be little bit of a and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skeet Daddy. Come for the lightning round. I'm going to with John in Texas. John.
2: Hi. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Of course. I, was, uh, I wanted to get your opinion on a stock called Trade Web Markets. That's a Symbol very of smart TW. company. We
1: did a p- very positive piece about it. Ah. And I think I've got to tell you, it's got these big bank stakes. They're all behind it. It's going to work. I need to go to Mark in New York. Mark. Hey, Mr. Kramer, how are you doing? Yes. Couldn't be better. How about you? I'm good. Uh, Thank you for all you do for us. Um, This is my question regarding Amgen, A-M-G-N. Do you
2: think that Amgen can still do well in light of all the concerns over single payer?
1: Well, I think actually, I mean, we cut to this position back big for the Travel Trust, which we followed on by joining the Excelers Plus.com club. And what we realized was, frankly, you know what? Uh, they're Amavig, they're big migraine drug. They didn't market it right. Uh, they're anti-cholesterol drug. They're not marketing right. Uh, they've got a couple of lawsuits that I think they could lose. I mean, I don't know. It's got a yield. Probably want more than that. Let's go to Jay in Pennsylvania. Jay. Oh yeah, Jim, from your old stomping grounds. Hey, I've been getting a serious case of bounce and be waiting for this one. Palo Alto Networks, where's it going? Some firm yesterday said that the business is sluggish. How do they know that it's sluggish? what they do, like link it to them? Will you give me a break? Travel Trust owns it, we're standing by. it. Sluggish. what they have? Like, hey, the CEO call and say, listen, on the QT, it's sluggish? I don't play it that way. Keith in North Carolina. Keith. Hey, Jim, love the show, man. Oh, thanks a lot, partner. Uh, You'll vote some Ulta Beauty, ticker symbol ULTA. Mary Dillon. Mary Dillon has the best customer management software. She, you know what she is? She is the most pro-customer, best loyalty, the best loyalty of any public company. Best loyalty club. I call it a club. That's how good they are. And I think you should own that stock. I wish she'd split it. How about Dustin in Texas? Dustin.
2: Big Booyah from Houston, Texas. Jim, how you doing? We always get good
1: questions from Houston. I'm all set for it. I'm calling on C-A-R-G, car gurus. Good. You-, you know, I am not as, you know, I can only recommend so many companies in that area. Uh, and I, and car, I like Carvana, okay? I'm a Carvana guy because I'm a millennial wannabe. Let's go to Anna. Probably can't be a millennial at this stage of my life. Let's go to Anna in Kentucky. Anna!
2: Hi, hi, Jim. Thank you for taking
1: my call. Of course. Uh,
2: I had a question about Marathon Oil Company,
1: mm-hmm. MRO. Right. Well, this is a very tough thing to, you know, this is a company I lost my trust. So, Don't buy it. Let's not get trapped in oil stocks. Oil stocks are kind of like, they're trading like coal stocks. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
2: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Everyone has heard the customer is always right. Zendesk strives to put businesses everywhere their customers are. Does the stock have the power to give investors everything they want?
1: What a week to come out to San Francisco. We've now got a chance to check in with some of the hottest cloud-based software companies around, which brings me to Zendesk. Here's a company that helps other businesses communicate with their customers in a seamless way. Now, I told you I liked to stock on a pullback at the end of February, but as it happens, it only came down from seventy nine to seventy five. Before quickly resuming its fabulous march higher, climbing to eighty nine dollars as of today, the latest leg at the end of April. Zendesk reported a terrific beat and race quarter with accelerating revenue growth, and astounding forty one percent pace. And while the market initially didn't seem to care. The stock has since made a phenomenal rebound. Can you keep climbing? Let's take a closer look with Michael Svein. He's the founder and chairman and CEO of Zendesk. Learn more about how his company's doing. We're excited. Mr. Svein. welcome to May of Money.
4: Thank you. Thanks for having Goodness me. Good to see you, sir. And welcome to sunny San Francisco. Well, uh,
1: but <laughs> May, it's supposed to be beautiful. We got it wrong. Uh, first time on the show. So I want you just first tell people exactly what you do, because I am in awe of your customer list. Thank you. But I need everyone to know how you
4: got all them, because you have a particular skill. Thank you. Well, we are we are a software company. We build uh, software solutions for better customer engagement, better customer service, better customer experiences. We have more than one hundred thousand brands using our software. We are three thousand people headquartered here in San Francisco. My broken English is because of my background from Denmark, but we've been in San Francisco for ten years, and it's been amazing. Well, what's the it's interesting,
1: thing? you were in public for a long time before you caught fire. It's almost as if that everybody kind of realized that. They're at a competitive disadvantage if they don't use Zendesk. It just turned on. <laughs> what
4: was the, give me the arc here. Well, I think like what we've seen over the last 10 years is that customer expectations have changed like crazy. You know, and like, a lot of the, our opportunity to work and our privilege to work with a lot of the companies here in San Francisco and Silicon Valley that have changed the world and yeah. changed the world of customer expectations. The so companies like Ubers, the Airbnb, the Pinterest, all these companies completely changed how we use services. Uh, we have worked with all of these guys and it has helped shape us as a company and it has set a new bar for how people are expecting the customer service and the customer engagement from the products and the services they're using today.
1: And what happens to a a company that just basically says, you know what, Uh, we can go it alone. We don't need you guys versus if they're going up against uh, Uber, Airbnb, Slack, Peloton. It, they're just they. Do, how would you know how to do it without you?
4: Well, it it is. <laughs> well,
1: thank no, you, if I look at thank the list. So I mean, much. it's every company we think of as great customer service, but they are powered by you.
4: Yeah, we, we definitely help them provide great customer experiences. Right. We definitely help them provide great customer experience, and that is kind of that is the new currency of today. Like you can't build. You can have the greatest product in the world. You have the greatest service in the world. If you don't provide a great customer experience to, like you're not gonna you're not gonna survive.
1: You. St- started out with one product. You just had layered on product after product. Are these examples, are these things that the customer wanted that you, yes? You know, please help us with this? Is that
4: how you responded? Well, I think that we started very much in the world of, of kind of traditional inbound customer service. Okay. But like in the in the world of CRM, like all customer the different dis- yeah, CRM, the customer relationship management, the all the disciplines within that touches the customer, whether that be in the sales side, the shopping side, the service side, the marketing side, all of these things they seamlessly flow together and from the customer it's just one big experience. You don't want to know if you talk to sales or marketing or support, you just have want to have one experience and that's why it's important for us to to help power all these experiences and bringing them together.
1: Now, how are you going to be able to compete You'd compete I know their product with Salesforce. Salesforce is a gigantic company. How do
4: you I mean you've been winning some big enterprises. What what's that competition like? Well, it, it competition is great. But like I know that we customers go with centers customers come to us because they want to keep up with customer expectations that's just that's not just about like transformation or digital mm-hmm. transformation it's really about staying agile staying quick and keeping up with the constant change of customer expectations because that's the world we are in today what is working today what is fantastic today it's going to be mundane tomorrow
1: so you're telling me what really happened here in our in our culture is that some guys got it, and we started realizing being put on hold or having dropped or just some cold email would make it so that you would die. Because other guys got good at this. Because it is the front. It's how we deal with these companies.
4: Yep. It it, it totally, it totally is. And like it's a generational thing thing too. Like that's probably like different generations have different expectations. My kids are gonna be ruthless.
1: Yeah, they are.
4: Ruthless. I mean, my
1: kids they just do not accept what I've learned to accept. (laughs) I always expect to be treated badly. I I do, and I'm treated well. I'm kind of shocked, frankly. Now, uh, how about partnerships? I think you'd be a natural. We had uh, Shantanu and Orion on the other day. Would be natural to partner with uh, Adobe or or but Microsoft, SAP. Do you uh,
4: plan on some uh, alliances there? Well, I think that what. What we have done most recently is that we've launched a new platform concept that we built right. in... The Sunshine. Uh, exactly. It's called Sunshine. It's built in AWS. It's open. It's super scalable. It's very, very developer-friendly, and it allows you as a business to tie all the different things so you together. Know, okay, so, you go to Amazon Web Services, yeah. and you direct people to Amazon Web Services. Is that... Uh it, that's a huge re-platforming going on. Right, like every right. business are moving more and more their infrastructure to AWS, and it's because it's an architectural change. It's a new way of being able to tie everything together without necessarily having to rely on formal re- uh, partnerships between these businesses. So that's very much what we believe in. Uh, how did you get the accelerated revenue growth? Forty-one percent. That's extraordinary.
1: Well, I mean, you're kind of percolating.
4: Boom. We we have we, like our customers is at a run rate of serving like a billion. Uh, consumers right, and in customers right. every single year, and it's really like helping our customers keeping up with the massive demand and the massive expectations that are from businesses Wait, today. You know,
1: I feel bad. You know, I because we have opined on you in the lightning round. I feel terrible that I didn't know your company. I mean, you were so powerful, but obviously, you're. Like I got you, that you're a humble guy. You're not promotional. And <laughs> no, I mean, when I saw the customers, I said, how could I not know this? But you just do it for the other guys, right?
4: <laughs> you do it for the customer. <laughs> well, I think it's. I think we are in a magical place, you know, really being part of this revolution, empowering customers, empowering businesses to provide much better customer experience and we really enjoy it. Well, you do a
1: terrific job. And that's Mikkel Svein. He's founder and CEO of Zendesk Z E N. I am sorry I didn't bring this company to you earlier. That is my bad. Please still stick with Kramer. Could I be more excited? Jensen Wong, NVIDIA's back. Amazing numbers tonight. Gaming is strong. I think it's just the beginning. Pinterest, what happened? Ben Silberman will put it all in context. I know people didn't like the quarter as much as they thought, it, say, going into it. But, oh, come on. It's a fresh-faced IPO. Let's give it a chance to do some breathing. You know what? I think that this stock, NVIDIA, after really having some hard times, is back. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. I'll see
0: you tomorrow. What is Decision Tech by Fidelity? It's technology that can help you find a stock based on what's trending or an investing goal. It's real-time insights and information delivered in your own customized view of the market. It's smarter trading technology for smarter trading decisions. And it's only from Fidelity. Open an account today at fidelity.com slash trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC.